1 Thessalonians, um, in our last study in Thessalonians, we looked at verses 1 and 2. This morning, Lord willing, we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. It really builds on verses 1 through 2. So let's start by reading verses 1 through 8. We'll talk about where we were, where we're going, and then we'll get into this. And going to lay a lot of groundwork this morning for what we have before us. And I think by the time we're done, this is going to come full circle here. Uh, so again, uh, verse 1 here, 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And then we come to verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So again, in our last study in Thessalonians, we saw Paul moving from chapter 3 to chapter 4. In the first three chapters, there's a lot of greetings and salutations and thanksgiving and, and so forth. A lot of teaching as well, and it's all God's word. But as we moved into chapter 4, we saw Paul really picking up where it seems he left off in the discipleship course they were getting in Thessalonica in this church that had just been birthed recently. I remember after the preaching of the gospel, many believed and Paul was able to be with them for about three weeks discipling them. And then as he began to be persecuted, he was driven out of town. They had a burden for them and prayer. God opened the door for Timothy to go back. Timothy ministered to them brought the report of how they were doing, and now Paul's writing this epistle to encourage them as well as to pick up on the practical, biblical discipleship that they were getting. And in chapter 4, again, he reminds them of the commandments that they had been given in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see this morning that he begins to go into more of those commandments. We also saw in our last study that he had urged and exhorted them to abound more and more in the Lord. And what we're going to talk about this morning, sexual purity has to do with abounding more and more in the Lord. Because sexual immorality, practicing it, making provision for it, absolutely is going to quench the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And again, he pointed them to the commandments of the Lord and receiving those, abounding in them to have a walk well-pleasing to the Lord practically. So this morning, again, and we read the text, but some things we are going to really touch on is, first of all, we are going to see that God has commanded us, and it's God's will for us that we abstain from sexual immorality. And this is for each and every one of us. There's not an exception clause in this. We're going to talk about what sexual immorality is and what sexual immorality isn't, because believe it or not, God created sex. Oh, everyone faints. It's meant to be a good thing. We're going to see that we should know how to possess our own vessels or our bodies in an honorable way, unlike the world who doesn't know the Lord that walks so often in uncleanness, but we're called to walk in holiness and sanctification. We're going to talk about that and talk about the difference between holiness and legalism because there's a lot of confusion about that today. There's a real lack of teaching of the call to walk in holiness in the body of Christ today. It's a tragedy, really. And then we're also going to see some warnings here that we're not to take advantage of or defraud one another in these things. 
We're not to defraud others even in teaching on these matters by making light of them. And absolutely, we are not called to take advantage or defraud others in having a, 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 an agenda of sexual immorality. It's one thing to have a struggle in that. It's another thing to have an agenda. You know what? Walking on that, planning it in the body of Christ. He talks about vengeance from the Lord. And then finally, and we're going to touch on this again in a second, at the end of this, I think it's huge. We have to have this in mind as we look at this. He says, he rejects these things. Doesn't reject man, but is rejecting God who gives the Holy Spirit. So again, where we've been a little bit, where we're going a little bit, let's read verses one and two, set this up a little bit more. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And so commandments have been given. They're being encouraged to abound in the Lord more and more. And that would be in part in walking in those commandments given. And in walking in those commandments, they would be walking practically in a manner that was well-pleasing to the Lord. Now listen, positionally, we're only well-pleasing to God if, when we're saved by, by grace through faith. Listen, if you're not under the grace of God, it doesn't matter what you do. You're outside of covenant with God. You're still under the law. You're seen as a sinner under the wrath of God. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, now we are under grace. And positionally, listen, now we're sons and daughters adopted into the family of God. And in that sense, we are well-pleasing to him. Here he's talking about practically in our day-to-day life. Listen, all of us love our children, but we're not always pleased with their decisions, right? And so absolutely, when we come to faith in Christ, we're grafted into the family of God. And in that sense, we're well-pleasing to him. Positionally, we're seen through the blood of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we all fall short. Here he's talking about practically walking in our salvation. So again, he says, you know the commandments we gave to you, and now he's going to give them some more commandments. And as he goes into this next commandment about sexual purity, a few things here. Number one, this is not a light matter. This is God's word. God honors his word above his name. And we need to take this not as the word of man, as he talks about in verse 8, but this is the word of God. Also, we need to consider, this isn't a confusing passage here. This isn't something where you step back and go, okay, it's God's will, we should abstain from sexual immorality. But what does he really mean? Listen, this is clear as could be. In fact, God's word in its totality, it's not written in perversity but it's written clearly that we can read and understand it. We also need to know going to this that the truths here absolutely go against our culture's view and attitude towards sexual relations for the most part. We live in a very, very immoral culture, a very sensual culture, where not only these things are practiced, but these things are encouraged. Sadly, these things in so many areas are celebrated. There's no shame in them And now we're moving even into a place where if you're going to stand up and say, listen, this isn't what God wants for us, you're going to be villainized and even persecuted. And uh, that's a dangerous place when a culture gets to that point. Again, we're also going to see that sexual purity is God's will for for us. And and I'm I'm just going to enforce this again. I, I want to put this out as we go through this. Because as we start going through this, if you start saying, I don't agree with that, I don't receive that, listen, I'm going to give you the scriptures here. If you, if you reject this, listen, you're not rejecting man. You're not rejecting me. Now, if, if I interject an opinion, whatever, but I'm going to give you scripture. 
you're rejecting God, who gives the Holy Spirit. And in that, you're going to be quenching the work of the Spirit. Again, I'll read it again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8. God has not called us to uncleanness but holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us the Holy Spirit. So keep that in mind. If you are saved and you reject this and say, listen, I'm going to make provision for my pornography, my fornication, my adultery, whatever it is, you're, you're not rejecting Pastor Steve. You're rejecting God Almighty who's given you the Holy Spirit. And if you are saved, listen, you're going to quench the Spirit of God in your life. And worse than that, it may be a thing that you're not even saved at all. You need to judge yourself. Because if you want to reject the Word of God, you're rejecting the God of the Word. You've got to know that and understand that. The Bible talks about those that turn the grace of our God into lewdness. It's in Jude verses 3 and 4. And in it, they denied the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people that they say, yeah, I'm saved by grace through faith. And they think that grace then is now a license to sin, lewdness. It means a license to sin. So I have grace. And so grace not only is my saving agent, but it's also my license that just let me go freely walk in sin. And, and God's given me a freedom to embrace this and walk in and so forth. And again, all things are lawful in the Lord. And we're going to talk about that, but they're not all helpful. And here is if Jesus is your Lord, you shouldn't want to be brought under the desire of it. But if you're in a place where it's just grace is lewdness, you may be in that place where you're denying the Lord Jesus Christ and it's evidence that Jesus is not your Lord at all. And so let's keep that in mind as we go through this. We also need to be reminded that God's commandments are given to us in love. God's will for us is God's best for us. When God is saying, it's my will for you. It's a commandment. Abstain from sexual immorality. He's saying this because he loves us. He's not saying this to ruin our good time. He's saying this to protect us, to keep us. Because what he has for us is so much better. His commandments are given to us in love. And hear this. If we shun them, <clears throat> we are not walking in love towards him. And we are not walking <clears throat> excuse me, in love towards our neighbor. And we looked at this text quite a bit in our last study in Thessalonians, but 1 John 5, 2. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And there's a lot of people running around saying, well, I love God and I willfully practice sexual immorality as well. You're not loving God if you are doing that. You're not walking in the love of the Lord. I know there's other people, they'll say, well, Jesus said there's two commandments. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. And so it doesn't matter what I'm doing if I have a feeling that I'm loving God. No, listen, on those things hang all the commandments. And again, if you're embracing sexual immorality, those acts are not acts of love towards God at all. Those are selfish acts. That's an act of loving yourself. If you're loving God, it's not deemed by your feeling, it is seen in whether you're keeping his commandments or not. Again, Jesus Christ said in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So again, as we embrace these things and it starts with saying, Lord, I, I, I wanna be yielded to you. And again, there's a, there's a big difference between, Lord, help me with these things. Help me to overcome these things. I acknowledge your word and then making provision and being this place where you're, you know, a 
willfully walking in those things. And if you are, again, he says, he wants to manifest himself to us. And it's going to quench the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Also along these lines, 1 John 2, 3, it says, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. So again, the individual that wants to run around saying, I love God, I love God, but then they willfully are practicing sexual immorality, you're a liar. That's not the truth. And those actions that are willfully being practiced, you're showing you don't love God. And the Bible says you're a liar in that. You're not practicing truth at all. And so these things are rooted in love. God's love for us, and God's showing us how to walk well-pleasing to him, to love him, and absolutely to love others. Now, a big thing in all of this, and overcoming this, because man, again, we are living in, in, in perilous times. Studies show that up to 68% of men in Christianum have a pornography addiction. And listen, 30% of women, studies show that. This is an epidemic. I know there's some of those individuals that willfully walk in that stuff and make justification. And then there's a whole lot of other people that struggle with it. And they want to get freed from it and so forth. And they would see, hear this and say, yes, I agree with this. I want to walk in this. And, and those are definitely two different camps. But I'll tell you, a big key in overcoming this is loving God more than all the rest of it. That when you get tempted with sexual immorality, you can step back and say, okay, what do I love more, this or do I love the Lord more? And I encourage you to get that before you. What am I going to love more, this or my wife? If you're single, am I going to love this or my future wife more or my future husband more? If God has that for me. And again, it could even be, what am I going to love more, this or even my own soul, so to speak? I love the picture of Joseph there in Genesis 39. When Potiphar's wife, day after day, is trying to get him to lie with her. And boy, if there was anyone in Scripture who could have come up with some excuses and reasons why he was justified, I think it was Joseph because of just his circumstance, his brothers selling him to slavery and all, all this stuff. But as she pressed him day after day, I, I think there's so much in what he said to her. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What was the driving factor that kept him from partaking of that? He loved God. He loved the Lord more. I love God more than this opportunity that's being presented before me. And again, this is God's heart for us. Now notice again verse 3. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. The will of God. Listen, this is what God wants for you. This is how God wants you to live. It is, a, it is his will for you that you abstain from these things, first of all, so that you would live a life to his glory and to his honor, that you would practically be walking in a love relationship with God. And I know as we start talking about these things, there'd be individuals, and maybe it's even you already this morning saying, boy, Steve, you're getting real religious. I have a relationship with God. And if you're making provision for Again, sexual immorality, you are not walking in a love relationship with God. And don't fool yourself and think that you aren't. Your heart may say that you are, but your heart is deceiving you. God's word said that is not the case. 
is God's will that we would abstain from those things. Again, that our relationship with him would abound. It's also his will for us that we would abstain from this, that again, we would be found loving our neighbor. Sexual purity is the best thing for others and for our culture. This whole lie today that says, boy, what people do behind closed doors, that's their thing, and if it's not hurting anybody, it's all fine and good. I know Christians that say that. Sexual immorality is destroying our culture. It absolutely is an assault on marriage, which is sanctified by God, the first institution ever given amongst men, Adam and Eve. It is an assault on marriage. When we have a divorce rate over 50%, so much of it is rooted in a sexually immoral culture. It's an assault on the family. It's been an assault on the womb as we live in a nation where there has been over 60 million abortions. It's an assault on the culture with sexually transmitted diseases. Listen, the average homosexual man lives to be about 42 years old. Please go look at the statistics. I'm not saying that out of hate speech. That's love speech. Jesus said, you know the truth and it'll be set you free. If you're encouraging your children to explore that and embrace them, that's child abuse. That's not God's will for them. God hasn't created them to walk in that. I guarantee you, if Hugh Hefner would have been put in check and not allowed to publish Playboy and make it mainstream and pornography to become mainstream back when it did in the 50s and 60s, I guarantee you if that would have been stopped and would have been said, listen, we know men have a nature to do these things, but we're not going to embrace it as a culture. We're, we're, we're at least going to have a shame in it in the sense of not celebrating it. I guarantee you right now we wouldn't be in a place where we have children in elementary school being told by so many of their teachers and counselors to explore whether they're really little boys or really little girls. In California right now, 27% of high school students don't know whether they're a boy or a girl. In a recent survey, where like 1,500 kids or so were surveyed. That is destroying our culture. And I'll tell you on top of that, this is God's will for us because when a culture embraces such things, they become, you know, the people that are subjected to doctrines of demons. And we are living in a culture that is under incredibly dark influence. Where again, these things are not only, it's insanity. I mean, you look at some of this stuff and you're like, there's no logic in this. They say, we're going to teach you science. And their science is not science because they say you evolved from an ape. And you're like, that's not science at all. That can't be proven or anything else. But over here, where we do have actual science of X and Y chromosomes of boys and girls, we're going to throw that out the window. And you can be whatever you think you are. Sin makes you stupid. And listen, it, 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 it destroys a culture. So this idea, I'm not hurting anybody, you are. You are. We are when we embrace these things. And hear this as well, this is God's will for you, for your own good, your own prosperity, your own soul, your own physical being. God is not saying this to take from you, he is take, saying this to bless you and add to your life. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside of the body, 
but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Listen, sexual immorality, it is, it is destructive. I say these things this morning, not out of just reading it in the text. I know it firsthand. Practicing these things for many years of my young, you know, at life. From, from about five years old, my first sexual experience with another individual till 22 years old. And, and I'll tell you, again, just like any other man, the temptations of this stuff, battling it as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ for the last 26 years. Sexual immorality will rip your soul up. We're going to see in a minute what sexual immorality is not. One man and one woman, holy matrimony, leave and cleave, come together and become one. But we live in a culture where sexual immorality is promoted. You have individuals cleaving, tearing, cleaving, tearing, cleaving, tearing, cleaving, tearing. Go home this this afternoon and experiment with this. Glue two boards together with good glue. Let it sit there overnight, and tomorrow morning, rip them apart. You know what you're going to get? Two splintered boards. And you got so many splintered people running around. They can't sustain relationships. They, they can't look at people as people. They just look at them as, you know, at objects of lust. They can't function, function properly. It destroys your soul. You sin against your own body, your own person. And again, with the body, again, the, the sexual transmitted disease it's, it's, it's the, the statistics are staggering in our culture. Again, it's a selfish act, a self-centered act. It warps your thinking. I mean, studies have even shown how when people get addicted to pornography and sexual sin, you know, it, dopamine and things released in the mind, it, it messes up the way the mind should think and so forth. It's very similar to a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction and what it does to the mind. And absolutely, it makes people ill-equipped for marriage. God's design for sexual relations. It corrupts, again, views of others. And absolutely, as an individual, it will open the door to demonic influence. There's been many an unbeliever that has become demon-possessed through sexual immorality. And absolutely, there are many a believer that are completely oppressed by demons because of sexual immorality. They lose all sense of discernment. Wisdom, sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you what, listen, as a husband or a wife, you're bringing that into your marriage, it's going to affect your marriage. If you're, a, if you're in a marriage today and you're like, man, why, what, what the issue is here? And you know you're practicing these things in one way or another, that's one of the major issues there. If you're a man and you want to practice looking at pornography and so forth and you just make that one of your deals, you, you are afflicting your wife. You're the head of that household, and you're opening the door for demons to come in and to attack your wife and take away her joy and come against her. And you better believe you are opening the door to attack your children, for the enemy to wreak, wreak havoc upon them, to pass down generation sin, and so forth. So again, it's his will for us that we would walk in sanctification and holiness. Again, this is the picture of practically in our life. Positionally, we're holy by grace through faith in the Lord, and now practically, he wants us to walk, not in legalism, 
but in holiness. And let's not blur those two, because I know there's some people that would come in here, maybe some of you at this point, saying, boy, this sure is legalistic. Legalism is when you make up your own law and you say you got to do this to be saved. You got to comb your hair like me or you're going to hell. It gets real cultic. It's a real sick thing. Listen, this is holiness. This is what God's called us to. You need to know grace is not only the saving agent that God has given to us, but it's his divine influence that he wants to pour out upon us to grow in grace that now we would walk in newness of life. We would walk in salvation versus quenching the Holy Spirit. So what is sexual immorality? This is real simple. Again, God created sex. God thought it up. God invented it. And when Adam and Eve got married there in the garden, it was God's wedding gift to them. And I think it was a phenomenal gift that he gave to them. It was given to them for procreation. It was given to them for intimacy. It was given to them for enjoyment. Matthew 19.4, Jesus said, have you not read? And I love how the Lord went right back to the scriptures, that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate it. This is God's design and God's approval of sexual relations. One man, one biological man, and one you know, you got to really define things. They want biological woman. Listen, it's the, the, the male and the female uh, in the Hebrew and the Greek. One man, one woman, holy matrimony. They have cleaved together. They are glued together. They are one flesh. Not one guy with three women or whatever else. And listen, some of this stuff was corrupted in the Old Testament. It wasn't to their benefit. Every time you got a guy with multiple wives, it's always problematic. I can make more of a joke there, but I'm not going to get in trouble. <laughs> Holy matrimony come together. Listen to Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. God says, enjoy that. Now, again, if you start bringing pornography and you start bringing in sexual immorality, that's different. He goes on to say there, though, in Hebrews 13, 4, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And what's adultery and fornication? Listen, it's all sexual acts outside of the marriage bed. Whether it's a guy and a gal that are engaged and it's like, but we love each other, so it's okay. That's sexual immorality. That's sin. And you're not setting up things well for your marriage. And listen, if you got a boyfriend or a fiance that's saying, yeah, we love the Lord, but it's okay because we're going to get married, that individual is not loving you. And that's a that is a, a, a preview of how you're going to be treated in that marriage. Mark my words, hear it. Same's true if it's the gal putting the pressure on the men. And man, this is a two-way street. A couple fellows hook up. Listen, that's sexual immorality. A couple women. Whatever it is. Everything outside of that. The Lord said, whoever looks at a woman in lust for has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And boy, there's a lot of people that, again, they're in marriage and in a sense, they may not actually be committing adultery, but in their heart, they are. Now, is that grounds for a divorce? It could be in some circumstances. At the same time, if you hate someone, you're not going to be charged with murder. But the Lord says it's as murder. 
One thing we do know it's wrong and we know it's damaging. And absolutely, it can very well lead into abandonment of a relationship. So all these things, listen, it's God's will that we walk in sexual purity. It's his will that we should not walk in sexual immorality. In fact, he says that you should abstain from it. And that's where we get our word abstinence. It means to shun it, to make no provision for it. You don't dabble in it like Samson did, and then eventually he fell full on into it. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we gotta flee this stuff. Listen, if you wanna make provision for it, you wanna keep it around. You wanna say, let's see how close I can get to the edge without, without actually falling in. We're to flee it. To get it out of our mist and so forth. Listen, we're bombarded with it enough in the world, are we not? We need to get it out of our homes and so forth. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And you might be in a place where it's like, hey, I'm strong with the Lord. And something comes up and you, 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 you know what, you, you watch or whatever. That's still being sowed into your heart. Enemy knows this. Listen, let's just get the seed in his heart. We'll, we'll, we'll get it growing up later on. Notice verse four, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Listen, each of you, there's no exceptions. I run into people all the time, they think there's an exception for them. They think marriage is defined differently for them. They think that, you know what, because of their past or their circumstance or their situation, it's okay for them to fornicate. It's okay for them to look at pornography because their wife doesn't show them any affection. When most likely your wife's probably not showing you any affection because you continually look at pornography. And you don't show her any affection. You don't show her any romance. You're not giving her, you know what, the honor due her. These things go hand in hand. It's a cause and effect in most cases, not all. But there's no exceptions that each of you, can we say amen to that this morning? This is for each one of us. Again, you should know how to possess in sanctification and honor your vessel. So how do we know? Is it what our heart tells us? How do I know? Let me check my heart. My heart's saying it's okay in this circumstance. No, we know by the word, by the commandments, given by the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul gave them this word through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we abide in the word of God. How does God's word define these things? We just saw. Sadly, though, there are many, and even many that say they're Christians, that instead of following the word, knowing how to possess their vessel according to the word, they follow their heart. But my heart says, boy, we get that lie all the time. Follow your heart. What's your heart telling you? Now, listen, it's one thing if you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, and you're saying, Lord, impress on my heart and give me two or three witnesses, and you're checking that next to the scripture. But if it's just, I'm gonna follow my heart, and boy, this, this is what my heart tells me to do. That's what I'm going with. This is what God's word says about the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Dang. There's a lot of deceitful things, aren't there? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Now, maybe what some will say, well, that's Jeremiah. Come on, no one liked him. Listen to what Jesus said. <laughs> Jeremiah 7, 21. 
For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Not very seeker sensitive there, Jesus. And yet we hear, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Your heart's telling you to engage. Go engage in it. Your heart's telling you to give up your virginity before you get married. Follow your heart then. I've been waiting for the person to come along who I feel like loves me, and then I'm going to follow my heart. And he says, you should know. God, out of his love for you, is saying, abstain from that. That's not what God wants for you. Listen, the heart has led so many to hell and is leading so many to hell. For most people, it's their God. It's do as thou will. Which is actually the motto of Satanism. He says, again, you should know how to possess his own or her own vessel in sanctification and honor. Again, this isn't legalism, but this is holiness. We've been set apart unto God. We've been saved unto Jesus to walk as followers of him. That's what it means to have Jesus as your Lord. Listen to what Peter says about it. First Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he says, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the forming lust, former lust as is in your ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. To be set apart, to walk as God's called us to walk in, not in our former lust that we walked in our ignorance when we didn't know God. And again, Honoring the Lord with your own vessel, with your body. God's given us these bodies. He's given them to us to honor him. And we have a choice. Will I honor him or dishonor him? Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Notice here, which is your reasonable service. And maybe at this point you're like, this isn't reasonable. This is reasonable. Do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Jesus Christ came, took on the form of a man, and he honored God the Father in his body at every turn, to the point where he went to the cross to die for our sins. It's our reasonable service to understand God's called me to honor him with my body. And listen, you won't take away from your life. You're going to add to it. But we know absolutely there's a war, isn't there? But let's be truthful about it. There is a, there is a war uh, in, in our being that is trying to drive us to practice sexual immorality. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. And again, we got a whole world around us trying to encourage us to embrace these things. And there's even a whole lot of people in what's called Christian today that are saying, just embrace this stuff, it's okay. Hey, we're open and affirming over here. We're going to affirm you whatever sexual immorality you want to walk in. And we'll even do it in the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness, where is the fear of God? There, there's many of these in our community. Not just mainliners, churches. Listen, there's, there's a lot of churches that at one point were staunch evangelical churches that, you know what, they're, they're, they're making provisions for these things. They don't talk about this stuff. People, again, willfully, not only practicing these things, but walking as predators, just letting them run amok, because, boy, we don't want to rock the boat. 
there's a war going on. So it's all the more, again, we need to practice things like James 4, therefore submit to God. And if submitting to God says, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm done, I'm laying it down. If you're in the place where it's like, okay, well, I know I shouldn't be looking at porn, uh, but when I get home from work tonight, we'll eat dinner, and when everyone goes to bed, we'll see what happens. Listen, you're going to probably look at it. That's not submitting to God. It starts with saying, listen, I'm not going to make any provision for it. it. It's done. It's off the table. It's off the table. Determining in your heart ahead of time. Like Daniel, when he determined before he wasn't going to eat at the king's table. It didn't matter what they put before him. I'm not going to eat. That's submitting to God. Submitting to God is bringing the struggle before him and saying, okay, Lord, this is a sin. I need your help. That's God's will for you too, that you would just be honest with him. And then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Listen, God wants us to know the power he has towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We're not called a bunch of wet doodles in scripture. We're called overcomers. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. And then he says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Daily, help me, Lord, I need your help. Keeping short accounts, listen. Again, we're bombarded with this stuff. You look twice, bring it before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, wash me of that. Get that out of here, Lord. I don't want to walk in it. And then he also says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself on the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And listen, if you're practicing this stuff and it doesn't grieve your heart, that's very, very problematic. You're not seeing it for what it is because... It's grieving the Lord's heart. We got to understand the damage of these things. Notice verse five, he says, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't, do not know God. Those that don't know Jesus as their Lord. They don't serve the Lord. They don't want to serve the Lord. They don't want to serve the Holy Spirit. They don't want to serve the scriptures. They don't want to be led of those things. That's our fallen world. Jesus isn't their Lord. We don't imitate them. And we're not called to bring what they're practicing into the church to try to make provision for it to be accepted by them. And you see a lot of things like that today. Those that don't know God, again, they serve their own belly. Philippians 3.18, for many walk of, of, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Hear this, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Our God is not our belly, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to set our mind upon heavenly things. But it talks about here again, glorying in sin. And the Lord says, it's to their shame. Again, they are led by passions of lust, by their five senses, by their own heart again. If it feels good, do it. That's what's being taught to our children today. What do you feel? Well, then embrace that and walk with that. Again, we got a war. We got a sin nature. So we're we just going to go with every whim that comes along? Well, I feel like running that guy over because he jaywalked. Well, we'll go with it. It's your feeling. husband and wife get married well you know what I there's a pull in my flesh nature to engage you know it in pornography well if you feel it just roll with it it must be good oh 
Jude 10, he says, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Mankind was created in the image and likeness of God. Beasts of the field are not. They act instinctively. Listen, dogs have no shame, right? They'll barf and then turn around and lick it up. We're not brute beasts. I know that, again, you've evolved from monkeys. A complete lie. Part of that is, again, to get people to embrace. They say, embrace the animal in you. Even start listening to music and how many songs about the, embracing the animal and so forth. It's satanic. If you just feel like it, roll with it. No. And again, with cultures, these things move from being something that is wrestled with to something that is encouraged behind closed doors to something that begins to come out into public, to something that is celebrated, to something then that is defended, to something then is, we're going to persecute you if you come against it. That, that's, we're, we're moving into that. Where people say, no, I don't stand for this. Well, we're going to persecute you. I'm not, I'm not going to bake a cake for a gay wedding. I have a right not to do that because I'm an artist. Well, then we're going to take your business from you. We're going to sue you for $200,000. That's where we're at. It's where Sodom was. Genesis 19.4. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called a lot and said to him, where are those men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them carnally. No shame. They celebrated it. And they were going to say, we're going we're to persecute you. We're going to force you to come and agree with us so that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's upon us can be subdued. And that's what it comes down to and, and, and just the push of trying to feel justified in sin. We're almost done here, but verse 6, he says that, one should, <clears throat> that no one <clears throat> should take advantage of and defraud his brother in these matters, in this matter, because the Lord is avenger of all such, and we forewarned you and testified. So he's saying, listen, in the church, you can't take advantage of others, and you can't be defrauding others. Listen, it's one thing to be a, a single individual and saying, man, you know what? It, it would be nice if, if the Lord brought a godly man, if you're a woman or a woman, a godly man in my life. What better place to meet someone in church, right? But if the agenda is, Boy, you know what, these Christians are really nice, and you know what, I like that, I like their virtue, but I also have no regard for your purity, and I just want to go around and lay with others in the church. Listen, he says, we forewarn you, God is the avenger. If you got an agenda like that. And sadly, listen, over the years, myself and our leadership here, we've had to deal with individuals like that. Not someone with a struggle. Not someone saying, listen, I want to get out of this stuff. Listen, please come. We're, we're here growing in the Lord together, amen? But would individuals come in as wolves and sheep's clothing to defraud and take advantage of others, that's a whole different thing. This happens at times with men and women. It happens at times, sadly, with pastors and leaders in Christendom. And boy, listen, they're going to incur a stricter judgment. 
And sadly, we're living in a day where it often happens with adults on children. In our fellowship, we do our best with background checks and points of accountability. Please don't get annoyed when you got to check your kid in and get that receipt. It's there to protect children. Not to say that that is a foolproof method. It isn't. We need to be watchful collectively. But again, if that's you, if you're a wolf, if that's the reason you're here, you need to repent and show fruits of repentance. Because if you don't, God is going to bring vengeance upon your head. He is a God of love and mercy. He's a God of justice and vengeance as well. And Paul's saying, you were forewarned, and I'll forewarn you as well as the pastor of this church. There's been more than one time in the 20 years I've been the pastor here where people have been told to kick rocks. Because they have an agenda like this. Preying on other people. Predators that don't want to confess their sin and get accountability. Individuals with agendas. And hear this this morning, I don't make any apologies for it. And I know some people have villainized me for it. But I'd rather be villainized by ignorant people that don't know the role of a shepherd And the fact I'm going to give an account for God and I watch over your soul than have to give account before God Almighty. And he says, why did you let that run amok? Do we need grace in this? Absolutely. Are we a perfect church? No, we are very far from it practically. But you can't turn a blind eye to this stuff and let it run amok. Now again, if you struggle with this stuff and you want help, this is this place to be. This is a refuge, it's a hospital. We don't rule on legalism. Listen, we all got issues here. This is a motley crew here. I know a lot of you guys' testimonies. (laughs) If you're here and you're like, man, I I wanna learn more, I just don't know where I'm at, the door's open. But if you're coming here with an agenda to promote or whatever, I'll put your head on a swivel and make it spin, man. I'm gonna give an account before God. Always threatening violence. No. But I'll tell you this, sadly, there's plenty of places where you can go where that agenda will even be encouraged. It grieves my heart. Verse seven. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but again, to holiness. Is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Then God has called you to holiness. It's not a call of come to me and call on my name and you're saved. And now, please, you have grace. Walk in uncleanness. Walk in your former lust. You have a license here to go embrace it. And if anyone says, no, don't do that, they're legalists. And they're trying to quench the Lord and impose their will. That's where we are in most of Christendom today. He's called us to walk in holiness, to be set apart. This isn't a call to legalism. It's called A call to, again, holiness. We're not called to live unclean lives. We're not called to twist scriptures to accommodate the ways of the world, of those who don't know the Lord. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful. Again, if Jesus is your Lord, you're not under the law, you're under grace. All things are lawful, but they're not all helpful. And if you're practicing and making provision of sexual immorality, it's not helpful. It's not helping your walk with the Lord. It's not helping your own soul. It is not helping anyone around you. It is not helping our culture. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And then again, he says, all things are lawful, lawful for me, 
but I will not be brought under the power of any. Why? Because Jesus was his Lord. He says, I want to be brought under the power of the Lord. It's evidence that he is our Lord. And if it's like, I want Jesus to save me, but I want to be brought and subjected to the power of my lust and my passion, you better check your heart to see if he really is your Lord. Again, if it's like, I want to walk with him, but I got to struggle. I've been inundated with this stuff my whole life. Far different thing. Far different thing. Let's make that really, really clear. But again, no God wants to set you free. No, he has the power to do it. Don't listen to those lies and say, you're going to practice this your whole life. You're going to be in that place in tears your whole life, following this over and over again. The Lord wants to set you free. And then finally here, he says, therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. And if you've heard this this morning and you're rejecting this, you're not rejecting me. I reject you. I don't care. Go ahead then. Listen, if I was here to please man, I couldn't be a follower of Christ. Do I want to love people? Yes. Am I sharing this out of love? Absolutely. But you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting his lordship in your life. You're rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're in a place where you're embracing or defending fornication or adultery or homosexuality or pornography or pedophilia, you're rejecting him a lot. And sadly, again, that's a whole lot of things that call themselves Christian today. It's like that little weasel Carl Lentz from Hillsongs, New York, on The View. What about homosexuality? We, we got to sit down and have a conversation about that. What about abortion? What, we got to have a conversation about that. We don't. It's, it's, it's not God's will. It's sin. And I guarantee you, all those songs, we don't, we don't sing those songs here because it has brought in so much false doctrine and there is such a... A, a, a distortion of the holiness of God in that movement. Please, go test it. I, I say that out of wanting to, to encourage you to test all things, just as please test everything I'm saying here. Please, if, if I'm in gross error, please point it out to me. If it's just your opinion, you don't like it though, I ain't gonna listen to you. I'm not. I'm too close to going to be with the Lord. I'm almost at 50. I'm going to give an account. I got plenty of other issues that, that the Lord's dealing with. I'm a work in progress, as we all are. But you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting the word of God. If you reject the word of God, you're rejecting the God of the word. Again, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And if you don't want to abide in the word of God, you want to shun it, Jesus is saying you're not his disciple. Close with this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, again, we are made righteous by grace through faith, Period. He says, though, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, 
nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And he's speaking about individuals that practice the stuff, that make provision for it, that walk in it, that don't want to call it sin. And again, it's much of what's called Christianity today. And that's not Christianity. If someone struggles with this stuff and is wanting to overcome it in Christ, completely different thing. Welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the battle, amen? I commend you that you are in the battle. Soldier up, brother and sister. The Lord wants to see you through and set you free. But if you want to make provision for it, man, that's a frightening thing. But notice verse 11, and such were some of you. You were that. In other words, you're not born that way. You're born with the sin nature, but you were that. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't those good words? Let's stand up and close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, we bless you this morning. We praise you. We thank you for who you are, your goodness, and your grace, God. We need your help in these things, God. We absolutely do. We need your help in walking in sexual purity. Lord, we need your help in encouraging and urging and exhorting one another, God, in truth and in love in these matters. God, we need a heart to pray for one another. Lord, we need to have a heart of compassion upon those that don't know you, to know, God, that unbelievers are gonna live like unbelievers. Oh, Lord, this morning, God, any that are in a place of bondage in these things, Lord, we wanna pray that this day you'll set them free, that this day you'll move in our miss God powerfully through the work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to pray, God, if there's any here resisting these things, God, that the minute they leave here, these seeds won't be plucked from their heart, but they'll take them and wrestle with them, God. And I pray, Lord, that they won't be allowed just to, Lord, to to brush this off their shoulder. Lord, I would, Lord, absolutely pray for a, a conviction because, Lord, I know you want to set them free from these things. And Lord, any here today that don't know you, Lord, I know you want to save them today. And if that's you this morning, I encourage you to call upon Jesus. Ask him to wash you and cleanse you. Ask him to be your Lord and your Savior in spirit and truth, and he will meet you where you're at. He absolutely stands ready to wash you, cleanse you, to begin a good work in you. Call on his name. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Let's worship the Lord in this last song.
bless you. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Listen, the altar is going to be open up here. Um, Lord's laying on your heart to encourage someone, to pray with someone. Do that this morning. And again, God bless you in the Lord Jesus.